Revelation chapter number 3, verse 14 through 16. And then the book of Romans chapter number 11. Amen. We're going to have a revival service Wednesday night. You don't want to miss it. God's going to move. Revelation 3 and 14. If you found it, say amen. And under the angel, now look, I'm going to need you to help. I can't breathe or move like Brother Miller. And so, amen. And under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things, saith the amen. Now, I like how he started that out because the word amen means it's settled. It is so. It's done. So what God was getting ready to tell them was not something they had the right to debate or talk or to discuss. He said, these things saith the amen. This is settled. It's already done. You don't have to like it. You can like it or not. But it's settled. The faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would... Thou wert cold nor hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. So then, because thou art lukewarm. Everybody say lukewarm. Amen. If there's anybody here that's lukewarm, I want you to, you gotta, you ought to start praying in your spirit right now. God help me. Because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Romans 11 and 16. For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. If the root be holy, if it's got the right root, if the root be holy, so are the branches. Amen. On the first night of Radical Recovery Revival, on that Wednesday night, the Holy Ghost dealt with me. I'm going to preach what he dealt with me about, what, a month ago or so, something like that. I want to preach about radical revival roots radical revival roots amen now look I don't want to be offensive to anybody I'm not called to pastor other churches I'm called to pastor this church and so when I talk to this church I don't feel like I have to apologize to other people that may be watching online or listening later but not every church, and I'm not saying this with pride, I'm saying it with thanksgiving, not every church can have 60 baptisms. And because, but, but to, to be able to handle it, you gotta have some roots. Amen. Radical revival roots. God, I pray you anoint me to preach. I pray, God, that you would anoint ears to hear. God, I ask you, Lord Jesus, pour out your spirit. Let the anointing of the Holy Ghost move in this place. 
confirm your word with signs following. In the name of Jesus, God, pour out your spirit tonight. Pour out the Holy Ghost. Let revelation and understanding come. Lord, in the name of Jesus, let people make the kind of decisions tonight that will change their direction and the direction of their family for eternity. Lord, let somebody make the kind of choices for their lifestyle tonight that will lead them to service in the kingdom and an anointing falling from heaven on their life. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. Give the Lord a great hand clap of praise. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Modern religious culture has decided that man is the arbiter of what's acceptable to God. Rather than man seeking God's will, man seeks his own will and has just decided that God's going to have to like it. The modern humanistic postmodern philosophies of culture have, ex have affected the so-called church. Modern Christianity says all roads lead to God and you can believe what you want and everything is acceptable. But make no mistake about it, God does not bend his will to man's carnal desires. And God does not bend his will to modern man's sinful lifestyles. God said in Revelation chapter number 2 that he hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. And then he said in the same chapter that he hated the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. God said that he loved Jacob, but he hated Esau because of Esau's choices, decisions, and actions. Amen. God decides what God desires and God decides what he rejects he loves what he loves and he rejects what he rejects and it's not up to me to tell him as I mentioned he told the Nicolaitans in Revelation 2 I hate your doctrine and if you have wrong doctrine it won't be long until you have wrong actions because then he said, I hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Modern culture loves sanitized religion that's politically correct but biblically inept. The modern church has strayed far from her roots. But sometimes you just got to go back to the Bible and tell it like it is. There is no sophisticated way to define what Jesus meant when he said that he would spew some out of his mouth. The word spew, you can't sanitize it. You can't, uh, there's no way to dress it up. It's just a word that means what it means. And the definition of the word spew means to vomit. It's not a pretty word. It's not a pretty mental image. But the implication cannot be taken lightly. A God who reformed a liar and a cheater like Jacob. A God who declared his love for a murderer and an adulterer like David. A God who restored the strength of a philandering playboy like Samson.
a God that reached for Rahab the prostitute and repeatedly called the worst of society to himself without ever declaring that the murderer, the prostitute, the liar, or the cheater sickened him to the point of regurgitation. In Revelation, however, he told his spirit-filled church that they made him sick enough that he wanted to spew them out of his mouth. Praise God. The offense of the church was not a moral failure. It wasn't even a violation of doctrine or religious law. As far as we know, the church in Revelation 2 was still a holy church, still an apostolic church, still a Jesus-named church, still a one-God church. But the church had lost one thing. The church in Laodicea had lost its passion to serve and worship God with a whole heart. If the offense of the Laodicean church was not holiness and doctrine or ecclesiastical practice. God said, here has what offended me about the Laodiceans. The offense of the Laodicean church is that they are lukewarm. It sickened God. Because the church had left her first love. Amen. The passion that they used to worship with was now apathetic and cold. Their response to the preached word of God was now dispirited, lethargic. If they said amen, there was no enthusiasm or desire. They began to view holiness as a drudgery and an encumbrance. Giving was a burden. Prayer was dry or dead. Serving was too inconvenient. God was not lukewarm towards his church. He was born of a virgin for his church. He suffered on a cross for his church. He poured his spirit into them at Pentecost for his church. He stood against their enemies. He healed their bodies. He provided for their needs. He never one time refused to meet them when they worshiped him. Yet that same church that he had done all of that for had become lukewarm towards him. Amen. You know I'm not preaching to everybody, but you know I'm preaching to somebody. Acts 2.38 didn't excite them anymore. Holiness preaching didn't get them on their feet anymore. They had lost their passion and desire for his presence. And the lukewarmness of their service to God sickened him to the point that his body rejected them. Amen. Brother Wilson, when I was a kid, I probably had a bug, a flu or something, and, uh, and I just didn't know it. But, uh, but, but at, one, at one particular family event, I don't really remember a lot about the event, but I remember that, that at that family event that, uh, that they gave me a piece of cherry pie. And Sister Wilson, I didn't know I was sick, but, that, but I ate that cherry pie and it made me sick. And to this day, I don't really like cherry pie. I'll eat it if that's the only pie. But I don't go seeking it out. Because something about my body rejected what it was. And because my body rejected it, I've never really been able to reconcile myself with it. 
God said, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Come unto me sinner, lost and dying. Come unto me broken and weary. Come unto me adulterer, fornicator, addict. Come to me thief and robber. Come to me. Thank God we baptized about 180 prisoners in the prison system. He says, come to me prisoner. Come to me thief. Come to me. Whatever you've done, come to me. Amen. I remember the first time we did a prison conference down in Pearl at the ladies' penitentiary. And, and I felt like the Lord had dealt with me that we were going to have 100 get the Holy Ghost. And when we did the final count at the service, there were 98 women that had been baptized with the Holy Ghost. And now we were cleaning everything up. And I thought, well, I just heard the ballpark. I didn't really hear the right exact number, but 98 is close to 100. And they were, we're packing up sound equipment. We're packing up stuff and getting ready to leave. And my wife is sitting on the front row between two ladies. And, uh, and she's talking to them. And, and, you know, my wife is little, and these, these were big ladies. And, uh, and, and one of them, one of them is never getting out of prison because she murdered a family member. Never getting out. She'll be there without a miracle for the rest of her life. And I, I went up to him and I was teasing him. I was I actually teased him. I said, you know what? I call her because, you know, they're, they're like my size. And I said, I call her sweet and low. They said, oh, preacher, you're so funny. <laughs> and I said, well, and I turned to walk away from him. And I got about two steps and I stopped and I turned around back to him. I said, both of you wanted the Holy Ghost and you didn't get it, did you? And tears start going down their faces. I said, God told me that if you'll raise your hands right here, God will fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And that murderer that's going to be in that women's penitentiary for the rest of her life lifted her hands and God baptized her with the Holy Ghost on that front row. Let me tell you, the God, the God that said, I'll fill that, I'll fill that murderer with the Holy Ghost and I'll touch her with my presence. That same God said the one thing that makes me sick enough to throw up, the one thing that makes me so sick that I can't keep them in my body anymore is somebody that's got lukewarm in their worship and lukewarm in their prayer. And don't you look at me like that. I think I'm preaching to you. God said, my body can't hold lukewarmness in it. I can take hot and I can take cold. I'll take somebody that's on fire and I'll take somebody that's so cold that they need resuscitation, but I, my body can't handle lukewarmness. And you mark it down, somebody that starts getting lukewarm in their worship and lukewarm in their faithfulness and lukewarm in their holiness and lukewarm in their giving, that person probably won't be in the body very long. body couldn't retain the lukewarmness we don't like to think about it that way I know you don't want to think about it but his body said I can't keep lukewarmness in me let me tell you when your worship starts getting lukewarm you ought to shake yourself When you start getting ready for church and you're thinking, oh, God, I wish I didn't have to go tonight. 
I wish I didn't have to make it. You ought to shake yourself right now because you are just a few steps from being spewed out of the body. He said, I can't take lukewarmness. Lukewarmness didn't take me to a cross. Lukewarmness didn't get me in a grave. I didn't suffer for somebody to be lukewarm. I suffered so they could be live and living and on fire. His body won't retain lukewarmness. Am I preaching the word? Am I in the Bible? Is that what the Bible says? He said, if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Somebody needs to get up. Look, we've had revival for a month. If you hadn't gotten on fire, you ought to get on fire tonight. If you hadn't been stirred up, you ought to get stirred up tonight. If you haven't been shaken up, you ought to shake yourself right now because you're one step from being spewed out of his mouth. Oh, praise God. I haven't started my timer yet. All that was free time. Praise God. I said more in three seconds than some people say in their whole life. To this day, when people grow lukewarm, you can mark it down. If there's not a miracle or repentance, they're not going to be in the body for long. The modern church has gained a taste for the world and for carnality. The modern church has lost her stomach for separation from a wicked culture that surrounds her. The modern church seeks to blend into the world, not stand out from the world. It's a deadly disease of the soul. In 1956, the famous Dr. Hugh Sinclair coined the term diseases of civilization. His hypothesis was that the more civilized that man became, the further from their original design they drifted. He said this change in modern lifestyle brought problems on modern man that were unknown to previous generations. For instance, in 1900, the top three causes of death were influenza, tuberculosis, again, sometimes you can't, you can't dress it up, and diarrhea. You laugh, but if you ever had it, you'd be saying amen. These types of diseases accounted These types of diseases accounted for 60% of all deaths in America. Since the 1940s, the majority of deaths in the United States have resulted from cancer, heart disease, degenerative diseases. By the 1990s, these diseases of civilization now account for more than 60% of all deaths. In 2012, one of the oldest and most respected medical journals in the world, The Lancelot, published a list of top risk factors for death and debilitation. And the researchers determined that the list of causes for death and debilitation were almost all a result of how modern, civilized man lived their daily life. The bottom line is that modern humans are killing themselves with their lifestyles. These diseases called, caused by the modern diet and the modern lifestyle are called diseases of civilization. Are you still with me? Scientists have concluded that Alzheimer's disease, arthritis, Arthiosclerosis, asthma, cancer, cirrhosis, 
pulmonary disease, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, chronic renal failure, osteoporosis, stroke, depression, and obesity are primarily lifestyle diseases. They come because the way that people live their lives. Lifestyle diseases. Lifestyle, say lifestyle diseases. Their chosen lifestyle in time makes them suffer. The further, according to the scientists, the further that modern men departs from the early ways of our ancestors, the more our physical and mental health suffers. Lifestyle diseases. That the further we get away from the way our ancestors lived, the more we mentally and physically suffer. Everybody say lifestyle diseases. When you see something happening in nature, it's probably mimicking something that's happening in the spiritual realm. Today I come before this great church not to bore you with scientific and medical and anthropological theory. I've come tonight to preach to you where I believe that we are as a movement and as a church and where we are as individual members of the church. I'd like to add just a little bit of perspective tonight. We're not here because we're so great and so wonderful. We're here because the sacrifice and the cost of generations past. Our spiritual ancestors were met with great resistance and persecution in the early years of this church. In the early days of our church and in the early days of the apostolic movement in America, most people had churches in brush arbors. They would erect a wooden frame and put tree limbs and brush over the top so that it would shield them from the rain so they could have church. I would say very few of us have ever been in a brush harbor by necessity, maybe by, by nostalgia or some special service, but never because that's the only place we had, had to have church. And then the apostolic church moved from the brush arbor days to the storefront days. Little small rented spaces where they would have services because that's all they could afford. No Sunday school rooms, no extra space, no dining rooms, no kitchens, no meeting space. Just barely enough to get together and have church. But the pioneers of Pentecost would have a hard time believing the kind of building that we're in right now. Much less the kind of building that we're working on. We're not here tonight because we just dropped out of the sky with all of this. We're here because there were some lifestyles lived by some elders. Woo, glory to God. There were some people down the line before us that lived a certain kind of lifestyle that made them able to build a church in a wicked world and grow a church. People cannot believe when we have preachers come through here. They cannot believe that this kind of church is sitting out here in the middle of the boondocks. But it's sitting out here because your parents and grandparents worked for God. They had a lifestyle. They had a lifestyle. To them. Woo. 
Jesus. Their lifestyle said, I know I've worked out in the field from daylight until just now, but I'm going to go to church anyway because it's my lifestyle. I know the people at work make fun of me for the way I dress and the way I worship and the way I act, but that's my lifestyle choice because they understood that there's a certain way a Christian ought to live their life. Man, I, I feel like a racehorse that's been stuck in the chute for a month. Just, we're here. We're here in this room right now with all of this stuff. Because laying over there in the ground, there's some people that said, I'm going to make a lifestyle decision. That's going to bring an anointing from heaven. And it's going to bless my family and my children and my grandchildren. I know I could get a better paying job, but I'd have to miss church for it. But my lifestyle decision. I know my kid has the talent to be the star player. But they're going to have to miss church for practice. So they make some lifestyle decisions. Not based on trophies and medals. And not based on an income statement. Not based on how many toys I can accumulate in my garage. But they made lifestyle choices based on what do I want my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren to be. I'm preaching to somebody tonight that you got to look at your lifestyle and understand that the problem with the modern church is lifestyle decisions that have pushed them away from God. Woo, Jesus. Oh, God. I got good news for you. We got an evangelist coming in Saturday night. I got some bad news for you. You got me right now. And what I'm telling you, let me tell all of our new people something. All you that have gotten the Holy Ghost and been baptized over the last few weeks and months and the last two or three years, that you are faced with some decisions. That if you'll make lifestyle decisions that get you in the presence of God on a consistent basis, you won't have to worry about your future generations. But the further we drift... The further we move away from our ancestors, the more the body gets sick. And so Jesus said, now, now look, I'll tell you what modern people say. Preacher, get over it. I'll live how I want to live. You get up there and preach and eat fried chicken, everything will be okay. Brother Wilson, when I was a youth pastor, you'd preach and I'd get under conviction. I didn't come to you and say, you shouldn't have preached that. You know what I did? I found my way to an altar. And I said, God, whatever it is in me that's pushing back against that word, let me get it out of my life because I don't want to make a lifestyle decision that will give me a sickness of the soul. I'm preaching to you tonight. I'm telling all of our new people, 
You wonder if you're going to be able to hold it together. Some of you are so fresh off of drugs that the taste of it's still in your mouth. And you're wondering, can I get my life together? Will I ever get it right? Can I ever make it happen? I tell you, you can make it happen. But you've got to make some lifestyle decisions. You've got to make some choices in your life. It's not just shouting in church. you got to say, I'm going to make some decisions that will change my life. So Jesus said, there's some things I can't let in my body. Because if I do, it lowers my personal standard. And so Jesus said that I've got to reject some stuff out of my body. Because if I let it stay, it'll become the norm. And he said, the one thing I can't handle is lukewarmness. Because if I accept lukewarmness here in the book of Revelation chapter number 2, then what will the church be like in the generations to come? So I can't accept it now because if I accept it now, I'll have to accept it forever. And so he said, my body can't take that. So let me tell you, if Jesus made those kinds of decisions, then everyone in this house needs to make some decisions about what we let in our spiritual life and what we don't. What we allow to sit in front of our eyes and what we don't. What we allow on our body and in our body and in our mind and in our spirit. You got to make so. I used to be shouting at this a few years ago. Let me make you shout about it now. You got to make some decisions for the sake of your soul. Man, flights are expensive, Bishop. I made this flight. I was on a 13 and a half hour flight from Hong Kong to Los Angeles. And I'm not going to pay. I am not going to pay three times the price to sit in first class. Now, if they seem fit to bump me up, praise God. Then I squeeze my big old self into a seat and I sat there and I prayed God let whoever's next to be me next to me be little <laughs> and praise God right next to me was this little Asian guy if I knew how to apologize to him in his language I'd have said I'm sorry I sat there and I put that seatbelt on and for 13 and a half hours I sat there trying to sleep sitting up my knees pressed up against the seat in front of me that joker in front of me put his seat back. I could almost lick the top of his head. But I didn't. I didn't make that lifestyle choice. And I sat there and I thought, God, I got to get smaller. I got to get smaller. Do you know what I did when I got to Memphis? Knowing I got to get smaller. I went to get a burger. Sean did it behind you. Because you know what? All that talk about wanting to get smaller, that was just a pipe dream. 
that's just a temporary feeling because of a little bit of discomfort. But if I was serious about it, I'd have bypassed the burger joint and I got me one of those godforsaken salads. And let me tell you, you could say, I want to go to heaven. I want my family to be saved. I want my kids to be saved. But we're going to find out Wednesday night if you mean it or not. We're going to find out at pre-service prayer if you're serious or not. And when you get up to get dressed to go to school or work, we're going to find out if you really mean it. Or are you going to go to the spiritual McDonald's? Oh, Jesus. Lord, I've been, I've been meandering through here. I don't even know where I'm at in my notes. But I do know one thing. There's good people that I love, that love God. Just like the Laodicean church loved God. They wanted to go to heaven just like the Laodicean church wanted to go to heaven. They loved the truth just like the Laodicean church loved the truth. But they just like the Laodiceans have accepted lukewarmness as a condition of their life. And they said, it'll be all right. I'll worship next revival. I'll pray next service. I'll go to the altar next altar call. I'll say amen to the next sermon. I'm okay. Let me just settle in right now. But Jesus said, I can't take lukewarmness. And if you ever begin to accept it, you'll live with it for the rest of your life unless God works a miracle. I'm trying to stir somebody up tonight to say, God, I want to go to another level. I need a radical revival. I haven't even got to, man, I haven't even got to my message. Lord, help me. And you know, you know, as soon as I started talking about going to McDonald's, the next thing that stuck in my head was there's spaghetti out there. You need to hurry, big boy. I just reminded some of you about it. But more important than watching your natural diet is watching your spiritual desire, diet. We are allowing things that are ungodly to come into our minds and our hearts and our homes by the music we listen to, the shows and movies that we allow our families to ingest. You don't have to say, man, it's still true. By the media, we sit there and feed our brain all day long. Some of us have souls that are sick because of our spiritual lifestyle choices. Amen. When our church services resemble denominational Christianity more than they do the book of Acts, we've got a spiritual disease of civilization. When you've got to have a fancy sermon and a fancy title and a fancy illustration to think that somebody's preaching, you've got a civilization disease. When we can't be moved when a preacher steps in a pulpit and says, repent, and Peter said unto them, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If we, I've heard that enough, preacher. I've heard it enough. Well, you need to hear it again. When one God preaching makes us bored and when holiness preaching makes us offended, when we are afflicted by diseases of civilization. May I submit to this beautiful congregation tonight that it's my sincere belief that it is time for the church to go back to the roots of who we are. Amen. 
I cut my ministry teeth on shouting and tongue talking and holiness. I remember the preacher could preach holiness and the people would shout for joy. Women weren't ashamed to have long hair and not show their body off. Where men were men and wanted to look and act like it. There's a spiritual effeminacy that's getting a hold of the, I know I'm probably getting kicked, get us kicked off Facebook. I'm probably getting us kicked off right now. I'm probably being banned as we speak, but the truth is the truth. We got to get back to who we are. I don't get bored when a preacher says repent and be baptized. I don't get bored when somebody says there's just one God and his name is Jesus. I still love it. I still love it. I still love it. I still love it. I love it when the prayer room's full and on fire. I love it when the altars are full of people seeking God. I've had all of dead, dry, carnal Christianity that I can stand. Can I, do I need to stop or can I preach a little bit more? I'm tired of our young people knowing every word to every country and pop song but can't sing a Holy Ghost filled song. Well, praise God. Should I stop now or should I, play, should I plot on a little more? I'm tired of men who know about more about football players and basketball players in Hollywood than we do about apostolic heritage. I reject lukewarm Pentecostalism. I reject lukewarm apostolicism. I reject lukewarm worship, and I reject lukewarm preaching, and I reject lukewarm prayer, and I reject the lukewarm lifestyle. I spew it out of my body. I got to get it out of my body. I'm calling tonight for all of us, not just, not just some of us. I've often said, I've said over the years, that in every church, you have the ones that will always respond. And you have the ones that will never respond. There's some folks that if they would stand up and shout while I'm preaching, it'd be the last thing I ever preached. I'd fall over and have a heart attack. Coming to see you. There's some that never will and some that always do. You can write it down no matter what. I didn't walk into this service wondering if Sister Culver is going to shout. I just figured if she, I don't see her shouting, she's just not here. I don't worry about it. I know. I don't ever walk in the prayer room and I wonder, where is Danny going to be here? I just know that if we're having church, if he's not off preaching somewhere, he's going to be in the prayer room. I don't even have to worry about it because I know. 
You have those that never will and those that always will. And in the middle is that other group. And however they come to a church service will determine on what kind of service we have. They swing the pendulum. And I'm preaching to that group tonight and saying it's time for you to get back to being a radical. How you were when you walked out of the dope house and God filled you with the Holy Ghost and you realized you could have more than your teeth falling out. I want you to get back to what it was like when you came to an altar and God delivered you from alcoholism and you realized you didn't have to drink your blues away. All you had to do was talk to God and you shouted every time you came to church. You got to get back to that radical, that radical root of revival. I'm calling you back to there. Woo, glory to God. I feel like shouting about that a little bit myself. I'm calling you back to where you were when he first pulled you out of sin. Don't let the devil make you lukewarm. Spew it out of your body. Spew it out of your spirit. Reject it right now. I'm not going to live that way. I'm not going to be a dead Christian. I'm not going to be a dead Pentecostal. I'm not going to be a dry apostolic. I'm going to spew it out. Getting back to the root. The radical root. Okay got to get to the message. Uh, if, if I'd have been preaching Sunday morning, I could stop right now and say, I'll finish it tonight. But I am going to finish it tonight. So there you go. The word radical, the word, everybody say radical. radical. Nowadays, the word radical has taken a weird meaning. You see somebody, I was walking through the airport the other day. There's a guy who looked like a rooster. He's the opposite of me. See, I got here, here, but not really here. He had nothing here, but he had this red thing. <laughs> Looked like a Roman soldier without the metal. Looks, looks radical. That's, that's radical. That's not radical. It's weird, but it's not radical. The word radical, everybody say radical. radical. It means very different from the usual. Favoring extreme changes in habits or conditions. Radical. Hey, buddy. Radical is favoring extreme changes. In habits, the root. Everybody say the root. Everybody look up here. Everybody look up here. Radical emerged in the 14th century from the Latin word radicalis, which means root. The word radical means root. And the earliest uses of radical are all about literal roots. The word, you with me still? The word radical means relating to or proceeding from a root. 
Botanists call leaves that grow from the base of a stem a radical leaf because it grew from the root. Tubers like potatoes that grow from a plant's root are called radical tubers. Linguists refer to a verb's root form as it's... Any, any English majors here? Any English majors? Radical form. I lost you, didn't I? In medicine, surgery that's designed to remove the root of a disease is called radical surgery. Any math, any math students here? Mathematicians and students of mathematics know that the root of a number is its, what is it? What is it? Radical. It's its radical. The bottom line is you can't be radical without getting back to the roots. All right. Amen? You can't be radical without getting back to the roots. You're not radical if you come up with some new standard or doctrine. You're not radical if you adopt some new religious system or lifestyle. You can only be radical if you go back to the root, to the beginning. The root of the church was not worldly, carnal, dead, dry, relaxed. So you can't be radical if you're worldly, carnal, dead, dry, or relaxed. As a matter of fact, Amos said, Woe unto them that are at ease in Zion. There's trouble coming for somebody that can be in the presence of God and be at ease. Amen. I'm calling, I'm calling us back to the radical root of revival. If you want to have a real radical revival, you have to go further back than Asbury. You have to bypass the charismatic renewal of the late last century. You have to go further back than Azusa Street. And you got to go further back than Topeka and Bethel Bible College. You got to go past the Wesleyan holiness movement of the late 1800s. And you got to go past the Second Great Awakening. And you got to step over Jonathan Edwards and the First Great Awakening. You got to go past Barton Stone and the Cane Ridge Revival. And you got to go past Martin Luther and John Calvin and the Reformation. You have to go all the way back to a city. In, in Israel called Jerusalem and you got to walk the cobblestone streets up to a mountaintop called Zion where there was an upper room and in that upper room there was a group of people that prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and the Bible said and when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. You got to go all the way back to the root. You got to go back to the root. You got to go back to the upper room. You got to go back to Pentecost. 
You cannot have a radical revival and be worldly and carnal and dead. I'm calling on somebody to stir themselves tonight. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory. I'm preaching to some folks. I'm preaching to some people that you know. You know I love you. You know I've loved you. You know I love you. You know I love your family. You know I'm not here to hurt anybody, but I'm here to stir some people up and tell you, you got to spit the lukewarmness out of your spiritual life tonight. You got to stir yourself up. Come on, I'm, lift your hands all over this place. Lord, let the conviction of the Holy Ghost move here. I'm calling on moms and dads to get back to radical Christianity. You will not win your children and grandchildren by compromising with this generation and with this world. You cannot adopt the lifestyle diseases of this generation and expect your children and great-grandchildren to have a walk with God and a relationship with God. You cannot compromise with this modern world and get lazy and spiritually dry and expect yourself to have a walk with God. If you're going to have it, you got to stir yourself up tonight and say, I spew that lukewarmness out of my spirit. Lift your hands all over this place. Everybody lift your hands to heaven. Come on, moms and dads. Come on, children and grandchildren. Raise your hands to heaven. You got to make some lifestyle choices. If we're going to have the kind of revival we need to have to fill that building up. It's going back to our roots. It's going back to our roots. Woo, Jesus. Come on, lift, lift your hand. Let's pray. All over this house, let's pray right now. I understand there's pressure from modern culture. I understand there's pressure from the modern religious world. I understand there's pressure all around us to let ourselves become lukewarm. But I'm calling on some men and women to say, I'm stirring myself up. I reject it out of my spiritual body. I reject it out of my spirit. I can't let it live inside of me. I can't let it stay inside of me. I got to get it out of me. I got to get myself stirred up about prayer again and stirred up about worship and stirred up about holiness. I got to get myself stirred up about one God in Jesus' name. Calling for a radical root of revival. It cannot be radical without the root. That's why all these churches that are dropping holiness... That's why all of these churches that are dropping holiness and saying we're having revival, you're not having revival, you have a swelling from a spiritual cancer that's in your spirit. And just because you're swollen doesn't mean it's revival. You can't be radical without the root. And Jesus said, I am the root. I gotta get Jesus. I gotta get Jesus. 
I got to get Jesus. I got to get Jesus. I got to get more Jesus because I got to have the root of revival. I got to be radical. Craig, you know why God's opening doors for you? You know why God's opening doors for you to go to prisons and preach? And now he's opening doors in other states for you to preach. You know why God's doing that? Because when we were sitting at that little bench at the rehab, how many years ago? Four, four, five, six, whatever, years ago. You told me with, in your, from your mouth, when I got to get out of here, Pastor V, I'm coming back. I'm coming to church. You, you remember that conversation. When I, and when I come to church, I'm giving it everything I've got. If you ever accept lukewarmness, if you ever get to the point where you don't want to see souls saved and you just want to sit around and be dead in church, just come right there, close your eyes, I'm going to kick you right in the face. With the love of Jesus. I almost hurt myself. <laughs> because you rejected lukewarmness. Amen. I'm calling on people. You understand what I'm preaching? I'm, I'm preaching an old pastor sermon. Brother Daniel, you just keep on shouting, okay? You just keep on going across there. You'll be sore in the morning. I prophesy without the Spirit. But you just keep on doing it. Because if you ever accept lukewarmness, it's going to be the hardest thing that you ever come out of. Because Jesus didn't say, boy, that liar makes me want to throw up. He didn't say, that cheater makes me sick to my stomach. He didn't say, that addict makes me want to vomit. But he said, when I see somebody that I pulled out of sin and I baptized them with my name and I filled them with my Holy Ghost and I let them taste of the heavenly gift and then they just act like I never did anything for them and they just act like it's just another service and it's just another building and they're more excited at the basketball arena and the football stadium than they are when they come to my house, when they get more excited about a two-pound bass than they do about my presence. I spew them out. Come on, somebody ought to cry out to God. Help me get the lukewarmness out of my spirit. Help me get back to the radical root of revival. Come on, I'm here to trouble some people. I'm here to trouble somebody in their spirit a little bit. If there ever was a time when you prayed more than you pray now, God, help me get that lukewarmness out. If you got a lifestyle disease, lift your hands to God and say, God, I'm sorry for the lifestyle that I chose to live that let me get cold on you. Oh, Jesus. I'm talking about the radical root of revival. 
is not coming up with none, some new program and some new this or that. The Radical Rooter Revival is going back to an upper room. There's a move of the Holy Ghost here right now. There's a stirring of the Spirit here. I, I want to move on, but I can't just yet. I'm still reaching for that middle that swings the pendulum. You'll get out of your walk with God what you accept. I'm going to stir myself. Anybody want to get back to the root? Why don't those of us that have had the Holy Ghost for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, five days, why don't we all find our way to an altar and try to have another Pentecost? I'm preaching to everybody that's here and everybody that's not come yet. I'm preaching to the people in the pew and the people in the vestibule. That's why we got speakers out there because people hide out there. preaching to the ones in the vestibules and I'm preaching to the ones in the pews and the ones in the altars and the ones on the platform. I'm preaching to the dude holding the mic right now. And I'm saying, let's get back to that room. Let me go back to that upper room. Everybody in this place ought to say, God, baptize me with the Holy Ghost just like you did 40 years ago. God, just like I got it when I was in sixth grade. Jesus. Come on, let's go back to the radical root of revival. Have I preached to anybody? Have I preached to anyone that wants to go back to an upper room and say, take me back to the root of it all? Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Why don't you reach over and pray for somebody close to you? And why don't you pray, God, help us have a radical revival. Help us have a radical revival. A revival of holiness and a revival of prayer. A revival of worship, a revival of giving. A revival of service, a revival of unity, a revival of brotherhood, a revival of one God preaching. Come on, let's have Pentecost right here in this room tonight. There is an authentic Christianity. authentic Christianity that's more than dead churches and cathedrals <laughs> Lord take me back 
me back to that old landmark. Lord, take me back. Some of our new folks that just got the Holy Ghost within the last few weeks, you ought to get it again tonight. Don't ever let yourself go too long without praying through. Don't ever let yourself be satisfied. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. What about our young preachers? They used to lay out in the prayer room talking in tongues. I'm telling I'm calling you back to radical roots. We're getting geared up for another phase of revival. But you get there by the root. Come on, you got to cast the lukewarmness out of yourself. Some of you don't need deliverance. You just need a lifestyle change. You don't need a miracle. You need to change some of the stuff you're letting in your life. You don't need an angel to come down and touch you. What you need is to go home and clean out some of the mess that you got in your home. You got to get back to the root. feel something about to break for someone that you've been stuck for a while you've been stagnated thinking you need to find something new no you just got to go back you just got to go back to the root oh God I'm going to spew that lukewarmness digging down deep in your spirit and laying it all out before God. God, I want everything. I'm making my lifestyle decisions. Going back to the root. Oh, hallelujah. 
Amen. Why don't you reach over and find somebody to pray with them? You can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost here tonight. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost tonight. You can have an authentic experience in God that will change your life forever. You can have a fresh touch of the Spirit of God on your life. And you'll never be the same again. I'm glad I got something to shout about, to be excited about. If the root be holy, the branch is holy. Let's, let's do something. I want you to listen for just a second. What we're getting ready to do may, I'm not, it may cause a little bit of discomfort. But I'm not going to call anything out specifically. But what I want to do is I want you to know that I want, I want if the Spirit of God has challenged any area of your walk with Him. And at any point while I've been preaching, there was even the smallest root of conviction that came into your heart that, God, I got to get that out. Could be something so little or something so big, but little foxes destroy vines. I want you to step out from where you're sitting, where you're standing. I want you to squeeze as close as you can in towards the front. If you're already in the middle, just take a step forward. Oh, and why don't you reach over and find somebody to pray with them all of our lives that God wants to deal with. And you'll never be the same again. Give me time. If there's anything. Maybe you hadn't moved yet tonight, but you know that the Spirit of the Lord has dealt with you. I'm glad I got something to shout about, to be excited about. If the root be holy, the branch is holy. You feel what I feel right now? Did you feel a shift just now happen? You felt it, didn't you? Because there's something that happens with God when, there's, when you get honest. Man, I feel it all over. You feel it, Brother Carson? There was a little bit of a shift there. There's something that happens when you get honest with God because he's not wanting to beat you down. He's just waiting for you to bring it to him and say, God, I need you to help me with this. Go ahead and respond to the anointing. However, if you feel it, respond to it. Some of you may not feel a thing, but you know I preach to you. That means you ought to repent right now of whatever it is. God, help me get that out of my spirit and out of my heart. Help me get back to the root, Lord. Help me get back to the root. Let me take myself back to the upper room. Some of you got things in your life that you never would have dreamed five years ago that you'd accept it. And now you're battling it. God's not mad at you. He just wants to help you. I'm back to the root. I'm just getting back to the root of it all. Oh, yes. Reach over and pray with one another. In the name of Jesus, 
Come on, right now what you're feeling is a call to a higher level. What you're feeling is a church that's pushing itself to a higher level of revival. What you're doing is you're finding people that are pushing themselves. I want more, God. I'm hungry for more. I'm reaching for more. I'm stepping forward. What you're, what you're seeing right now is people that are pushing lukewarmness out. That's right. Come on. Some of you are feeling that call of the Spirit. right keep praying there's an old song that says I'm pressing on the upward way new heights I'm gaining every day Put your hand on the shoulder of somebody close to you. But Carson, if you'll make your way forward, might be forward. Amen. I want you to begin to pray. Let's push each other. Kelly and Craig, put you, push each other. Let's push each other, Let's push each other higher. Young preachers, push each other to another level. Moms and dads, let's press. I'm pressing on the upward way. I'm going to the root of revival. I'm getting back to that radical root. Accept it. 
I won't accept a carnal home. I won't accept a worldly home. I spew it out of my spiritual body. That's right, press a little more. I feel the Holy Ghost still moving here. I feel an agreement between our spirit and the Spirit of God. That's right, reach out to him, church. Reach out to him. Oh, thank you, Lord. Draw me nearer, Lord. Nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died.
Just tell him how much you need him right now. Oh, I with Laodicea was their blindness because they said they didn't realize that they were dead. They didn't see their spiritual condition. But he said, if you will anoint your eyes with eyesight that you might see. That anointing is the word of God and what we've heard tonight is to open our eyes that we might see that we need to get closer to God than we've ever been we sing that old song draw me nearer, nearer, nearer blessed Lord to the cross where thou hast died you see Revival is more than just people being baptized and receiving the Holy Ghost. There's some dying that's got to take place. Draw me nearer, Lord, but I I, I want you to just take me where I can feel good. No. Draw me to the cross where thou hast died. Because Jesus said, except you take up your cross and follow me, you could in no wise be my disciple. It was easy to have a crowd when he was praying and the sick were being healed and the hungry were being fed. But when he got down to saying, you've got to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you've got to take up your cross and follow me, crucify your flesh, the numbers begin to fall off. And he turned to the 12 and said, will you also go? I think it was more of a question of frustration, Pastor. Will you also leave me? Thank God for a man like Peter that could stand up and say, Lord, to whom shall we go? Where else is it we can go, church? For he has the words of eternal life. This is what brings the move of God when the church hungers and dies out to flesh. Thank you, pastor for preaching the word to us that stirs our heart I want my toes to be stepped on come on I don't have any seniority just because I've had the Holy Ghost 65 years I still haven't made it yet but I know one thing we've got to reach forth for the things that are before us and press Everybody say press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Why don't we lift our hands together and thank him for this good message, for the good word of God.
Oh, did it make us uncomfortable? Yes, but that's what we need today. For woe unto them that are at ease in Zion. Thank you, Father, for the good word of the Lord. Thank you, God, for the response from this church to draw nearer to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord one more time. Sing it one more time. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where Thou hast died. Scout word and Brother Ronnie Lumpkin's father just passed away. We want to remember that family right now. Aren't you glad we have a comfort in the Holy Ghost? He is our comforter. We want to pray for this family. We'll pray for the food as we dismiss. Lord, we ask you to minister tonight to the Lumpkin family, to the children, to the grandchildren. God, that you would comfort their hearts. You're a very present help in the time of trouble. We pray, God, in this time of sorrow that the Spirit of the Lord would come and comfort and strengthen your people. We ask you to bless the food we're about to receive. Keep us in your divine will till we can come back again. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, don't forget to meet.